0: Well, uh, today I've got a message for you that uh, I'm going to I'm going to be in Je- Judges chapter one, verse one. And as a matter of fact, you can stand for the reading of God's word. But the title of the message today is "Don't Live Beneath the Table." Everybody say, "Don't live beneath the table." Why? Because God's created you for much more. Amen. So we're in this series "Winning Your War." Everybody say, winning your war. war. There is a war out there. The enemy's after you to defeat you, and he's trying to steal from you. And I'm going to be in the book of Judges. I'm going to start in Judges 1-1 today, and and we're going to bounce back a little bit in Joshua. And uh, we're going to kind of go back and forth. I'm getting a little reverb up here, Nick. Um, And so, But we're going to go verse by verse for a while, all the way even into Mother's Day. By the time we get to Mother's Day, we're going to talk about Deborah, and we're going to get to know the book of Judges. We're going to bleed in some from the book of Joshua. But the Lord laid this series on my heart back in January, and we're going to learn how to win our war. Amen? Poke your neighbor and say, you're going to learn how to win your war. That's right. That's right. So, for today's subject time, remember, we're staying the course and you stay the course in the battle. You win the war. And today's, the title of the message is, Don't Live Beneath the Table. Just shout that out when we Say, don't live, don't live beneath, beneath, beneath the table. The table. Why? Because God's created us for much more. Judges chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. You can see on the LED screens, not the overhead. Yeah. Yes, yes. I had to work very hard on that, but I made it. (laughs) Judges chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, and we're going to, this is so rich with what God wants to speak. You know what, before I even read this, poke your neighbor and say, God's got a word for you today. Man, you need to look at your neighbor and say, you better be glad you showed up today because God's about to speak. Now, you need to say it again. See, you better be glad you showed up today. Because God's about to talk to you. Yes. Amen. Judges chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. The Bible says, Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass, the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Notice, They realize there's an enemy and they realize there's a war, there's a battle, and they go to the Lord and they say, Okay, God, what do we got to do? Because we realize we've got this enemy and we've got to do something. Verse number two. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Boy, I love that. I have, there again, past tense. The Lord's already given it, it's already done. Poke your neighbor and say, It's already done. Verse 3, So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, And fought against him and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Then Adonai Bezek fled and they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table as I have done so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem and there... He died. Would you hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have? And let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. High five somebody if you're cool with that and tell them God's about to speak. There's a story of a little chihuahua. I know you probably call him different, but that's what I call a little chihuahua. A little chihuahua, man, he'd come over and he'd dig down he'd get next to the chain link fence and that old bulldog would come over and man and just well that chihuahua kept on and on and on finally he dug a little bit under that fence and as soon as he got his nose over man that bulldog sailed on him whooped him good the next day that chihuahua got a little bit further under got his whole head under there man here come that bulldog whooped him good finally the next day he got a little bit half his body out man that bulldog sailed on him whooped him good But that chihuahua was a little pesky thing. He didn't listen. He didn't learn. He kept on going until finally he got in that backyard and that bulldog would cower down to that barking chihuahua. That bulldog could whoop him no problem. That bulldog could stomp that chihuahua. He could eat him alive if he wanted to. But there was something about the tenacity of that chihuahua. There was something about that I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up, that got him to where that bulldog would do whatever that chihuahua wanted. It's like Holly and I right now, we're watching, uh, no, we're not the barking chihuahua and the bulldog. I don't like how y'all think. Y'all are trying to get me in trouble. What I was going to say is we've been watching some programs of the big cats in Africa. We're fascinated with it. And we're watching all these lion families and how they operate and and, uh, leopards and all this. And one of the things that we learned was, is when the lions kill something, uh, the hyenas will show up. And even though them lions will sail on them hyenas and whoop them, after a while, because the hyenas just simply won't give up, they will end up stealing the prey away and the lions will let it take it. The lion could kill every one of them. The lions could easily defeat the hyenas. But they're pesky and they just won't stop. You see, that bulldog and those lions are living beneath their God-given authority and a dominion. In a sense, they live beneath the table. Now, there are two brothers in this story. And you've got to know what their names mean in order to catch what God's trying to teach us from this story. There is Judah, which means praise, and Simeon, which means hearer. They decided to work together and help each other fight an enemy. Listen, not just your average day enemy, not just any old Joe Schmo, but a king that had defeated 70 other kingdoms and kings. I mean, this dude is bad. And they did something unusual when they finally got him. They cut off his thumbs. They cut off his big toes. They tied a chain around his neck and drug him back to Jerusalem before killing him. And he took it quite well, almost like poetic justice. I mean, he doesn't get mad. He doesn't get upset. He says, well, (laughs) as I did to the other 70, I guess it's back on me now. I mean, he just took it in stride. But I find it interesting, listen, that it took praise and hearing from God to not live beneath the table. Let me say that again. It took praise. Everybody hold your one hand up and say praise, praise and hearing from God. To live in your God-given authority. Somebody say amen. Praise and hearing from God got together, and they defeated a formidable enemy that defeated 70 kings. His name was Adonai. Adonai means Lord, and Bezek means lightning. Now, this is probably not his name that he was given at birth, but when he became king of whatever city or territory he was, they would call him Adonai, lord of that city, and they would call him Lightning. Everybody say Lightning. Why? The name of Bezek was probably given to him in his manner of warfare. In other words, when this dude showed up to your territory, he was struck like lightning. Bam! And he conquered your city. It was ruthless It was rage. He took it fast, and he didn't mess around. And I want to tell you, he would attack that city, and he would do something very unusual. He would do four things to that city. The first thing he would do is dethrone them. Now, you have to understand, they were not average men. They were royal people. They were elitist, if you will. They were probably the people that were the greatest fighters in those cities. They were the... Conquering heroes, if you will. So these are not nobodies that he's defeating. Then he would disarm them. He would cut their thumbs off. Why would he cut their thumbs off? Well, he would do that so that they could never again grip a sword or grip a spear. In other words, I'm going to disable you from ever being able to come back on me. Then he would cut off their big toes. He would destroy their stability. They would lose their balance and never be able to stand firm again in their calling and who they were. Then he would debase them. He would chain them under his dinner table. He would humiliate them. These guys, these kings, used to eat the finest foods at the, at the tables. They had all the greatest foods you could ever imagine. They would sit and eat there. They were, they were the mac daddies of their city. Now, he would chain them under his table as a trophy, so to speak. And he would remind them, hey, you used to be on top, but now you're nobody living underneath the table. There is a modern day... Adonai Bezek. So here's where we're going with this today. The Adonai Bezek that we face today is an enemy called the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call. And just like lightning, he strikes when you least expect him. He strikes against your family when you least expect it, against your children. He strikes against your finances. He strikes against our church. He strikes against everything that you stand for, your faith and your belief in the Word of God. His fury kindles and he begins to rage in his life. And just like lightning comes, it's beautiful from a distance, but it's terrifying if you're right there beside it. John 10.10 10 says it this way. The thief comes only to steal and kill and what? Destroy. 1 Peter 5.8. Here's what our Adonai Bezek is up to. Be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone whom he may devour. Holly and I put them little African cats, the big cats show on, and they have this military grade night vision where you can see the body heat. So you see all these little gazelles just hanging out there at midnight, and then you see these cats just prowling up, and they're getting closer and closer, and you're like, you just want to say, Mr. Gazelle, dude, do you know what's coming? And the answer is no, of course they don't, because if they did, they would run for their lives, right? There's a modern-day Adonai Bezek, and he hates your marriage. And he wants to attack it like lightning. He hates your peace. He wants to fill you with anxiety. He hates the joy of the Lord in your life. He wants to depress you. He hates the faith in your life. He wants to take the teeth out of your faith. He hates the anointing on your life because people will be transformed and saved and changed by the glory of God. He hates the blessings of your life. He hates everything about your life. Listen, our Adonai Bezek that we wrestle with and against is not your friend and he's out for one thing and that is to destroy you and the four things that he did to the 70 kings is the same four things watch this that the devil tries to do to you and I and those are going to be my points today so point number one is this Satan wants to dethrone you everybody say dethrone you but I've got news for you Judah which means praise and hearing from God Simeon watch this will help you win your war against the enemy. Listen, if you praise God, even in the midst of your storms, even in the midst of your issues, even in the midst of your problems, I got news for you. It lifts your perspective above all that. It lifts you above the storm, and you soar like an eagle. And then when you hear from God, and you know you've heard the voice of God, watch this. No, the devil can't shake that loose out of you, because you can always go back and say, "Uh uh-uh, I heard what God said. I praise my God. God, and because of that, the two together, I will win my war. Amen. Somebody say amen. I think we ought to give God praise. Amen. Come on, practice it right now. Just praise the amen. Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. But I can hear some people now, they'll say, Well, I'm, I'm just, oh, Pastor, dethrone me. What throne are we talking about here? I ain't nobody, I'm not important. I'm a nobody. I'm barely even in the church. Who am I? What am I? Well, listen, that may be what the devil's tried to tell you you are, but let's hear what God says about you and let's discover whether or not we have a throne that we walk in, so to speak, spiritually. First Peter 2 9 says this, but you are a chosen people. Watch this. A royal. Quit saying you're a nobody when God says you're a royal people. Priesthood, a holy nation. Watch this, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wondrous light. Ephesians two six. Watch this, and God raised up with Christ, raised us up with Christ and seated us. Watch this, with Him. Leave this up for a minute. In the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. Listen. You may be in the natural walking this earth, but in the spirit realm, you are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for mercy in the time of need. Listen, we got to quit seeing ourselves as underneath the table when God said we are seated with him in heavenly places. Is anybody catching what I'm saying here? Revelation 1, 5 through 6, the words of Jesus himself. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Somebody say a good amen for that. And watch this. And has made us, what what does that say? He has made us what? He has made us kings and priests. Somebody say praise God. To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever and ever. Amen. That's why the enemy wants to dethrone you. He doesn't like the place of authority God has given you. We have the authority to speak to our circumstances and they change. We have the same authority inside of us to look at the storm and say, Peace, be still. We have the same authority to us to look at somebody and say, In the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be free. the name of Jesus, be delivered. Somebody shout amen. amen. He comes against us with reckless abandoning. He comes against us like lightning. And he tries to dethrone us and make us see us ourselves as less than what we are. You are somebody. I'm going to say it again. You are somebody. Did you know you are the carrier of God to this world? The Holy Spirit is in you. You're the carrier of God to this world. That makes you somebody. You're the possessor of the anointing of Jesus. You're not a sinner, you're a child of God. Listen, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, quit saying, well, I'm just a sinner, man. I'm in by the skin of my teeth. Uh Uh-uh. No, you are now a child of God. You once were a sinner. Now you're a child of God. You're not ugly. You're beautiful. Quit looking at aspects of your life and saying, oh, that's hideous. Oh, I hate that about myself. You were created in the image of God. God doesn't make junk. Don't look down on some aspect of your life like, man, God messed up when he did this. You're uniquely created in the image of God. Walk as such. We watch some lion shows. And, man, those lions don't walk around. Meow. No. Man, that lion gets up with that big old man And he stomps around stately like, Boy, you better recognize because I'm the king of the jungle. Listen, I'm not saying this to be prideful. What I'm saying is we need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to know who we are in the kingdom of God. You're the apple of his eye. You're the beloved of Jesus Christ. Wow. You want to know how Jesus sees you? Look at that picture on the back wall. That's what you are. You're the beloved of Jesus. You are heirs of God. You're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Quit saying you're a nobody. Quit saying you can't do it because you can do it. Romans five seventeen. Here's what he says about our throne that he's given us. Our, and when I say our throne, I mean he's the ruler of the earth. What I'm saying is the authority he's given us. Romans 5, 17. Watch this. Everybody say get ready, get ready, get ready. I'll put a little T.D. Jakes on you here today. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, that's us, and of the gift of righteousness, everybody say, that's me. Watch this. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We are supposed to rule and reign in this life. And our Adonai Bezek, Satan, wants to come against us and try to take that away. We are not to be governed by our past. We are not to be moved by our fickle emotions. We are not to be terrorized by adverse circumstances. We are not to be oppressed with the anxieties of tomorrow. We are not to be enslaved by evil passions. We are not to be intimidated by other people. We are not to be controlled by religiosity. We are not created to live underneath the table. Uh Uh-uh. We were created to rule and reign in this life, not live beneath the table. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says it this way. The Lord will make you. Let me say, everybody say that. Say, Say, the Lord will make me. The head and not the tail. You say, well, I feel like the tail right now. As a matter of fact, I feel so much like the tail. Kids come around trying to hit me with wiffle ball bats because they think they're pinning the donkey. Uh-huh. But God said, I will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top never at the bottom listen if we are underneath something then we're not ruling and reigning in life we are not meant to be ruled by a leaf or a plant drugs we are not meant to be ruled by a bottle of alcohol we are not meant to be ruled by a tree money we are not meant to be ruled by a person We are meant to rule and reign in this life with Christ Jesus. And we've got one master and his name is Jesus Christ. Satan wants to dethrone you, but praise and hearing from God will keep you up on top. Somebody say amen. Amen. The second thing that, that, that our Adonai Bezek wants to do is not just dethrone you, he wants to disarm you. Everybody shout disarm you. But yet again, Judah, which means praise, and Simeon, which means hearing from God, will put you on top and cause you to win your war. Listen, he wants to amputate your spiritual thumbs, watch this, so that you no longer can get a grip on the Word of God. What Adonai Bezek did to the children of the kings, the 70 kings, in the natural, he cut their thumbs off so they couldn't grip a sword. You know what? The devil wants to cut our spiritual thumbs off so we can no longer grip the word of God. And the word is our only offensive weapon. Jesus set the example in Matthew 4 when he said, It is written, it is written, It is written. Somebody say amen. He had a grip on the word and his only defense was wielding and yielding the sword of the spirit. Listen, we are not defenseless. We are not sitting ducks. We can fight and we have a weapon the enemy can't defeat. We have the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So let me show you how it works. When sickness shows up and a bad doctor's report, get your sword out and start wielding. And say, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, I was Healed. Psalm one hundred three and three. He sent His word and healed all my diseases. Matthew four twenty three and twenty four. He went about all the villages and cities and healed all who were sick. Acts three sixteen. Acts four ten. Acts four thirty says it's at the name of Jesus that I'm healed. I want to tell you when the enemy throws sickness at you, get that sword out and start wielding it in Jesus' name. When depression comes... Get your sword out and say the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah and 10, is my strength. Hebrews 1 night, because I love righteousness and hate iniquity, therefore God, even my God, has anointed me with the oil of gladness. Wouldn't it be nice in this dark, dim world to walk around with the oil of gladness? Amen. Somebody shout glory. When hopelessness comes, get your sword out in Romans 15, 13. And say God said I'll abound in hope. When bondage comes, John 8, 13. 42, who the son sets free is free indeed that's John 8.36 John 8.32 if I know the truth the truth will make me free Second Corinthians 3.17 for where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty don't let the devil take your spiritual thumbs when fear comes, 2 uh, uh, uh. Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Satan attempts to cut off your spiritual thumbs. How does he do it? He tries to give you a take it or leave it attitude about the Bible. You don't really need to read the Bible today. You're too busy. You're working a 10-hour day today. You got the kids screaming. You got everything going crazy in your life. The car don't want to crank. Man, you got all this kind of stuff going on. You just let the word slide another day. He wants your hands off the word of God. He wants to make you think the word doesn't work for you. Well, it works for Sister Sally Sue and Brother Fred over there, but it don't work for me. He wants to get you to question the validity, the validity of the word. But you know what I found? We got to grab that sword of the Spirit, the Bible, so tight that our hand gets stuck to it. There's a guy that happened to in the Bible, Second Samuel twenty-three nine through ten. Watch what it says. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite. I don't know about who named him Dodo, but that wasn't too cool. He was one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines. Watch this. Until his hand was weary. Watch this. And his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. Man, I want to tell you, we need to fight with the sword of the Spirit until our hand gets stuck and we can't let go of what the Bible says. And we we look at a situation, no matter how grave it looks, no matter how awful it looks, we need to keep swinging the sword of the Spirit in the spirit realm until we can't even let it go. In other words, we go to bed at night thinking about the Word. We wake up thinking about the word all day long we're mulling over the word we're meditating on it we're eating lunch thinking about the word we're quoting the word to others I can't get it out of my hands that's how you defeat the enemy We need to get our hands stuck to the Word of God until we receive our healing in the natural, until there's deliverance, until there's freedom, until there's provision, until there's salvation. Somebody shout glory! Satan's trying to disarm you. He's trying to cut off your spiritual thumb so you can't grip your only offensive weapon. But if you don't learn, and I don't learn to wield the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, because that's what the sword of the, the Word of God is. It's the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6. If we don't learn to yield it, we will live underneath the table. And that's not ruling and reigning in life. We were created for far more. Satan wants to disarm us. But praise, (laughs) you know what praise does? He comes down with his little saw. He's like old buzzard. You, You know, when we're watching them lion shows, I'm learning a lot about the enemy when I watch them. Those leopards show up. They're solitary animals. And the lions don't like them. Man, the lions are much bigger. And they chase that dude. But you know what a leopard can do that a lion can't? It just flies right up that tree. It goes higher... And then you look on there, and the lions are underneath the tree looking up. And that old leper's just hanging out with his ha- paw hanging down. And he's just looking like, you dummies ain't ever going to touch me. Do you know that's what praise does? The enemy comes our way, roaring like a lion. And when we praise, we go higher, and he can't get where we go. Man, I'm preaching to somebody needs to hear this. And when you get up there in the altitudes where God is, you suddenly hear from God. And when you hear the voice of God, and you get a word. Heard from God. Now you've got faith to stand on and the devil can't mess with you. Somebody shout amen. amen! Satan wants to dethrone you. He wants to disarm you. Point number three is this. Satan wants to disable you. But praise and hearing from God will help you win your war. Listen, why would he do that? He wants to disable you so you can't stand for God. So you can't use your feet to spread the gospel. Ephesians 6 says, "When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. In other words, there are times in our life where we've got to stand. and what the enemy wants to try to do or Adonai Bezek, is he wants to come and cut off our spiritual big toes. And anytime you see a brother or sister make a fall, it's generally because their spiritual toes have been cut off. I am told when the, somebody loses their big toe, their big toe, excuse me, that at first they can't even walk, and then they walk so funny and they can't get their stance just right. And over time, they learn to deal with it, but they don't walk as fast. They're not as firm. They're not where they need to be with what God created them to be. And that's why 2 Corinthians 1.24 says this. Because it is by faith that you what? Stand firm. Satan wants to cut your spiritual big toes off so he can undermine your faith. In God, the devil's attacking your faith. He's attacking my faith and he wants you to doubt what God is saying. He wants you to think your faith isn't working. He wants you to think that God's word isn't working for you. Oh, it works for Dale Hendriss. Oh, it works for Rosemary, but it ain't working for you. He wants to tell you that God loves other people more than you. That's why he does it for them and he doesn't do it for you. He'll tell you that it's useless to keep praying. It's useless to keep believing. You might as well throw in the towel and what he's doing is he's trying to shake our faith. Look what Jesus said in Luke 22, 31 through 32. Simon, Simon, look out. Man, we could... Bridge bridge of hope! Bridge of hope! Look out! Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Watch what Jesus said. But I have prayed for you that you can have everything you want. But I have prayed for you so that all the things you want in life are just yours and you'll never have to go without. He said, No. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. In other words, what Jesus was saying, Hey, Peter, the devil's after you, but I'm gonna pray that your faith doesn't fail because if you keep your faith, he can't win. And the devil will let circumstances go so long in your life. He'll let it seem so bleak. He'll let the negative circumstances drag on and on and on until the point where your faith fails. But I want to tell you, Brother Jerry, that Jesus is in heaven right now interceding that your faith and my faith fails not. And when you have turned back, he's talking to Peter, strengthen your brothers. Listen, we're on the brink of an end-time revival. This generation appears to be the first to exist since 100 A.D. I'm talking 2,000 years that has a realistic chance to complete the Great Commission. We have been referred to, you and I, as the gun lap generation. In a race, when the leading runner gets to the final lap, there's somebody that will shoot a gun. Now it's like a cap gun or something. But they'll shoot a gun letting everybody know this is the last lap. And we hold in our hands today the baton that started with the likes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that went from them, from Elijah to Elijah. Elijah. That went from Moses to Joshua. That went from Jesus to the twelve. And it went from the twelve disciples to generation after generation comprising the church until you and I. These men and women were beaten, they were banned, they were burned at the stake, they were sawn in two, boiled in oil, and eaten by lions. But the baton is still being passed, brothers and sisters, from father to son, from mother to daughter, from pastor to people, and from missionaries to church leaders. And now here we are. You need to know we are in the last days. We are in the final lap. We are at the twilight of time, and over us, according to Hebrews, stand over the balconies a, a crowd of witnesses a cloud and a great crowd of witnesses that are looking waiting to see what's going to be like the final lap and guess what god chose you and i for the final lap poke your neighbor say god chose you and i for the final lap the question is will you run for the gospel will you run with the gospel Will you carry the baton that was hand down from your generations on to the next one? Will you pass the baton? It's so much bigger than you and I. Listen, it is such an important relay race that nothing can be left to chance. When you watch the Olympics and they do the 4 by 4 baton where they pass the baton relay race, listen, they usually put the fastest, swiftest, and most sure-foot racer for the last anchor, the last runner." Why? They do that because they think, well, he won't drop the baton or she won't. Well, they're the fastest so they can make up any lost time. I mean, they usually put the Usain Bolts of the world in that last spot because they can make up ground. They're the ones that are the anchor. They're the ones that, man, we can depend on them. Did you know, listen, of all the 6,000 years of human history, God could have put you and I, he chose us for the last lap. That means he's got a lot of faith in us. More faith in us than I got in me. But he knows there's a secret weapon, Brother Sonny. He said, I'm not worried about what you can do on your own ability and your talents and your ability to run fast and be the surest of foot and all that other stuff. Uh, uh-uh. He says, I put my spirit inside of you and I know the Holy Ghost is the swiftest of foot. I know he's the surest. I know he's the fastest. I know he's the one that can make up for lost time. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. We've got the Holy Ghost in us and we are designed to carry the gospel. Don't let Satan cut off your spiritual big toes. Romans 10 says it this way. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written. Watch this. Very interesting. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the When you proclaim the gospel to people who are saved, that's called teaching. When you share the gospel with people unsaved, that's called preaching the gospel. Pastor Dale and I are not the only preachers in here. If you are saved, you are supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. Telling everyone about Jesus. Man, I wish somebody would catch this. We need to help each other not get our spiritual big toes cut off. We need to carry the baton that was passed from generation to generation and say it doesn't end with me. The gospel doesn't stop with me. I'm going to pass it on. I'm going to spread the good news. I'm going to share the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. I will not allow the devil to cut my spiritual big toes off. Somebody say amen. I was, I, I've gotten to where, man, I'm just sharing Christ just everywhere ago. go. We were in the van ride when we were in Colorado a week ago. And I'm telling the bus driver, hey, do you go to church? Well, you know, when I was a kid, and he's always wanting to change the subject. I said, hey, listen. I said, let me tell you. I was a young man and I had no hope. I had no purpose. I had no joy. I thought I was going to be dead or in prison, but oh, when I gave my life to Jesus, oh, he changed everything and he can do the same for you. He said, Oh, that's a good story for you. I said, He can do it for you. Amen. Listen, we got to share the gospel. There are some. The enemy wants to disable you because he doesn't want you spreading the gospel. But praise and hearing from God will give you the victory. And here's the last point, and it's a very quick one. Number four, Satan wants to debase you or humiliate you. But praise and hearing from God will lift you above that. Why does the devil want to debase or humiliate you? Because Colossians two thirteen through 15 says this. This is what Jesus... Has done and will do to our enemy, the devil, or our Adonai Bezek. Are you ready? You were dead because of your sins. He's talking to us here. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. Verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us. My God, somebody needs to praise God for that. We were talking in our small group Friday night uh, that was meeting at my house. Man, glory to God. Do you know how many charges are, were against us? He said, Jesus has canceled the record of them. Woo! In this way, watch this. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory of them on the cross. The devil wants to humiliate you because he's been the one humiliated. And we need to know that our praise and our hearing from God will cause us to win our war.